friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris and I'm your host. We have been working through the discipleship text of the Sermon on the Mount over the last few months. And boy, it's taken us a while, hasn't it? But we're there. We're, we're right at the end. Um, the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this final little piece where Jesus gives three warnings. We're going to look at the third warning today. And then next week is the, is the landing. It's the last parable, the last picture that Jesus paints for us to ask the question, what is it we're actually going to be building our life on and out of? Uh, so today we're going to be looking at Matthew 7. 15 to 20 it's just a, this last little warning from Jesus it's like you know this last moment he has to warn us about something so that's what we're going to be looking at today hey the reason we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount it is Jesus's blueprint for life in the kingdom of God when you become a disciple of Jesus you aren't just saying yes to an historical figure you are saying yes to the king and ruler of all who didn't just exist, he exists. He's reality in its biggest, widest form. He is truer than any truth you could ever know. And this king who sits on the throne has given us this pronouncement of what the life in the kingdom of God looks like. And at the end of this Sermon on the Mount, where he's been pronouncing the way of the kingdom, the way of the cross, the way of uh, life lived for Jesus, he gives us these three warnings. The final warning today is all about what he describes as false prophets, teachers who are going to say things that sound great to your ears, but actually they're nothing but lies and friends we live in a culture don't we surrounded by little zany phrases and comments you know uh, you don't have to go very far twitter instagram facebook where you see these you know beautiful scenic photographs and on the top of it is some text and it's all uh, very kind of touchy-feely language and it's all of this kind of idea of you know live your truth you live your best life all of that kind of stuff and it sounds wise and it sounds good and people love it and they go yeah I'm gonna live my best life until we scratch the surface and we realize that actually it's not true we realize that underneath these phrases is no substance at all uh, it's all the sugar with no substance it tastes sweet but actually living your best life you cannot live your best life because you are as messed up as I am um, and and it's like the world sells us a disneyfied idea of life a sweet uh, version of life that actually underneath it there is just no substance and Jesus is warning us today saying look hang on there are there are a lot of false truths out there about life let me make sure that I remind you the truth is this and who are you going to be listening to so that's what we're going to be exploring today so what I'm going to be doing is in this passage I'm just going to be talking about what are the steps for us as disciples of Jesus to discern the false prophets the false teachers uh, you know, how do we do that? How do we discern what's true and what's not? 
so we're going to explore that today. So I'm not just going to tell you what we shouldn't do. I want to try and help you be able to do your own discernment. Uh, so you can actually discern. And what I would say, friends, is this. Discern what I'm saying. You know, it'd be very easy for me to say, thus saith Chris Rogers, and therefore you shall. Hang on. You need to check out what I say as much as anybody else. Your job as a disciple of Jesus is to learn how to discern between the voices that want to speak into your lives and which are the ones that are fruitful, filled with love, filled with light, filled with truth, which ones are actually helpful and godly and which ones are deceptive, which ones are false and which ones are just confusing. And uh, and you need to learn how to discern that. You need to be able to do that as somebody who will be listening to lots of speakers in your life. Which are the ones you're going to listen to? So that's what we're going to do today. How do we discern the false teachers and prophets? How do we know who's telling the truth? So let's jump in, friends. Um, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I would say, look, if you subscribe, then each week... The next one will just appear on your device and you'll be able to listen to it. It does seem that about 90% of our listeners are still not subscribed. So there's a lot of you guys that listen each week and you're just not subscribed. So I'd love to encourage you to do that. It's helpful for me if you subscribe because it means other people then it gets the podcast kind of mentioned. The more subscribers simply means that more people will have it automatically recommended to them. So I'd love to invite you to do that. So let's go. Let's get moving as we talk about Matthew 7.15 and how to discern false teachers and prophets. So here we go. We're going to be talking about how to discern false prophets and teachers and um, I just want to remind you of maybe some of the things that uh, you might have heard or you hear people say. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I read a lot of books, a lot of church leaders who put out things on Twitter and Instagram and I love it. It's a great way of uh, being f- like filled spiritually, having little, little edifying uh, moments where God speaks into my life. I love doing that. I want to encourage you to do that. But as I've been doing that, I've been realizing that every now and again, somebody will post something and oh, I'm not, I'm not sure I believe that. Or actually, that sounds more like something culture would say to me than it is actually what the Bible says to me. So, for example, I was listening uh, to a, a preacher. I'm not going to name them. They're from more of a kind of a Pentecostal prosperity uh, kind of gospel background you know one of the things i heard them say was that you need more possessions and money uh to show the world that you are blessed you know if god has blessed you then you will have possessions and money i was like oh i'm not i'm not quite sure that fits actually with what i know jesus says to us about being generous and giving away and you know this idea that if you are blessed with possessions and money it will show the world that god has blessed you i'm not i'm not entirely sure that actually that is true um, I, I also heard another church leader recently that talked about, you know, if you are a Christian, then God is on your side. You will have success. And if you've got success, you'll have fame and status. You'll make accomplishments and you'll make an impact in the world because of your faith in God. And like, actually, just because you're a Christian does not mean that you will automatically have success or fame at all. In fact, we're called to make Jesus famous. So I'm not quite sure about that one either. Um, 
people talk about physical beauty and of attractiveness. I actually heard a uh, sermon from one church leader a number of years ago that said, that actually, if you're a follower of Jesus, then because God's in your life, you'll be blessed. Actually, that blessing in your life will affect your body, your beauty and your attractiveness. I mean, they seem to be implying that if God has blessed you, then He'll your, your being is blessed. And by being blessed, it has a, an effect on your physicality. You'll, you know, be more, you'll be somebody that's more attractive. I was like, oh, I'm not sure where do you get like where do you get this from? And you know they were actually taking us back to Daniel and trying to show shows where this would be uh, in the in the book of Daniel. I was like, I, I I just think you're twisting scripture here. So you know these things are the kind of things that people say. I'm just it got a list of other bits and pieces here that I've heard people say recently. Um, yeah, there was one sermon I listened to recently that talked about painful emotions and that if God's in your life, then then he would actually uh, help you push down those those uh, emotions and you could suppress those emotions. You know, you shouldn't be wild with your emotions. Actually, I don't think that's true. I think I think to grieve. Blessed are those who grieve. There's a blessing in letting out the emotions. Um, so I'm not sure I, I really agree with that one. Um, so, you know, th- there are these little things that you hear, you know, and culture love to te- loves to tell us at the moment, you know, the big thing culture is telling us is around our identity uh, is found around our sexuality and around our gender. And, that you know, one of the things that culture is trying to tell us at the moment is you are defined by your sexuality and your gender. And I, I was as a follower of Jesus, I would say, well, no, actually, I don't think I am defined by my sexuality. I'm defined by the fact that I am a child of God. My identity is found in Him, not not in my biological, uh, I you know, sexual identity. I'm like, I, that's a culture. That's a lie. Culture's telling us right now. I just don't think that's that's true uh, at all. Uh, you know, one of the things that often appears around July time, August time on my uh, in social media is this idea that uh, if you had more information, you're more educated, then you have more purpose in life. And this, this big push to, you know, get further education. I, you, know, you don't need more, you know, information, learning is good, but you, you don't need to do that to find purpose in life. So there's all of these these things that uh, either culture or, the, or, or you know, the church, people have preached, that I've heard said. And let me just take us now to Matthew 7, 15. So this is what Jesus has to say. This is his warning at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So here we've got Jesus teaching about false prophets and I'd, I'd add in here you know I know Jesus said don't add in to scripture I did I didn't you know false teachers in this false prophets and false teachers and what Jesus is saying look if you have a tree and that tree is an apple tree uh, if it's healthy if it's got what it needs it will bear good fruit you know a good tree isn't going to bear you bad fruit in the same way a tree that's rotten isn't going to bear you good fruit so I'm going to share six things with you today 
on how to discern between false prophets and teachers. And I want to base it on the teachings of Jesus or other teachings that we find in Scripture. It's all based on the Bible. Uh, so the first uh, way of discerning uh, these false prophets and false teachers is this. Uh, Jesus says in this passage that we are to examine the fruit. So what does Jesus say? By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorns bushes or figs from thistles? Uh, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. So the first way of discerning um, someone and their teaching is this. Examine their fruits. Examine uh, what is happening around them. So for example, uh, a, a little while ago, I was spending a lot of time listening to a podcast from a particular church and a friend of mine said oh it's interesting that you listen to that do you do you do you not know of some of the stuff that's happening in that church I like, no i don't actually so i just went away and did some research and found out actually there was quite a lot of bad fruit there was a lot of things that were happening at the church that were just were not okay people were not being treated well People were actually being spoken to by this preacher in a way that was really degrading. And it just made me ask the question, hang on, um, if I examine this person's fruit, there was a lot of fruit online where you could listen to all their teaching. But when you looked at them as a person and their local context, you realised there was a lot less fruit in the local context, as you might think, um, from them. And as I examined, I realised that actually a lot of the fruit wasn't as healthy as you might think. So the first thing, to discern between the false prophets or false teachers and the good godly teachers, examine the fruits. What do we see happening around them? Do we see people coming to know Jesus? Uh, do we see people who are thriving and uh, are experiencing the presence of God, their life's being transformed, and they're walking in uh, life to the overflow, John 10, 10, you know, life that's overflowing with the presence of God. Do we see that fruit in the people that are around the person that's bringing that teaching? Uh, so I would say this is really important to look at the outcomes and the impact of that person's ministry. Do they display fruit? Are they displaying love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Or are there, is the fruit that they are sowing uh, the fruit of discord, strife, greed, confusion. Um, and there's something around this discord. Uh, there are some, you see, the, the, I'm just being really careful with what I say. I am not naming any names at all. I am not interested in naming names. I'm I'm, I want us to become wise and godly discerners ourselves. Um, but there are some church leaders where when they preach, they are sowing this discord. They're, they are damaging unity in the church because they are they are criticizing other church leaders, uh, very publicly criticizing other church leaders. And I, I just think that's not the fruit of somebody who's walking in the way of Jesus. Uh, we are called to unity. Now, we don't all have to agree at all. In fact, I think a good display of the kingdom of God is where a group of believers can worship God, they can love God, they can work for the same ministry, but they don't necessarily all agree theologically on absolutely everything. Um, because actually the agreement is around Jesus, not around all the secondary issues and, uh, and secondary doctrines, you, you might say. 
But look at the outcome of that person's ministry. And are they sowing peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Or are they sowing discord? Are they somebody who actually is causing more problems for the church than not? So that's the first thing. Examine their fruits. The second is this. Testing the words of the person speaking against scripture. So Isaiah 8.20 says this. Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anybody does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. In other words, consult God's teaching. Look at the testimony of God that we find in Scripture and is what they are saying found in Scripture. So test their words against the words of Scripture. Are they saying something that is in total contrast to what you see said in the Bible? So check if what they teach and what they prophesy aligns with what is in the Bible because false prophets may speak things that are in contrast to God's word. So test what they are saying. Now, so this is really interesting. I, I was listening to a Muslim speaker recently and he was speaking about Christianity and actually, even though he was a Muslim guy, he was actually quoting the Bible really well. He was actually dealing with scripture really, really well. And actually, even though he doesn't know God, he was actually speaking really wisely using the text of the Bible. I've then also heard Christians speak from the text of the Bible and use it, handle it really badly. And it's almost like they're adding in their own teaching. They're adding in their own um, opinion in a way that making it sound like it's a biblical opinion rather than just their own opinion. So... I find this really interesting. You know, a Muslim guy treats scripture really well and a, and a Christian guy treating scripture really badly. So my point is this. You cannot guarantee by what you think you know about the person, you know, what's coming out of their mouth. And this is where we have to discern it against scripture. Scripture has to become the plumb line of which uh, we then hold the speaker to account on. And if they're adding in their own teaching, they're adding in their own words, they want to say, actually, uh, I'm consulting God's instruction and as far as I can see, the words that you are speaking don't fit according to his words. They don't match your word. So that's what comes from Isaiah 8. It's interesting that Isaiah felt like this was something that had to be said. You know, check what is being said. Check with what is being prophesied against God's book. Because God won't say something that's not in the book. He's not going to change uh, his, his mind on something. You know, God is the same yesterday, today. And forever. So examine the fruits. Test what they're saying against scripture. That has to be the plumb line. Thirdly, see if they point to Jesus. So 1 John 4, 1 to 3. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see uh, whether they are from God, because many pr- uh, false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus uh, acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So see if they're pointing to Jesus. Well, what does John say here? He says... This is how you will recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit, that's a person that is acknowledging that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. So in other words, test and see if what they are saying is pointing back to the truth of who Jesus is. 
a teacher of God will not point to anything else. A teacher of God will not say, well, actually, Jesus wasn't God in the flesh. He was just a Jewish man that God chose to use. You know, people who say those things, they're deviating from the teachings of Scripture. Uh, so are they pointing to Jesus? And it seems here every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Why was John saying that? Well, John was saying that because there are people going around going, well, actually, I'm not sure if Jesus did come in the flesh. He actually must have come in the spirit because God is spirit. He's not flesh. You know, God is a supernatural being. He's a deity. Uh, so he doesn't have flesh like us. Therefore, when Jesus came, he can't have come in the flesh. He might have looked like the flesh. It might have touched like the flesh. He might have touched you and made it feel like the flesh, but it really wasn't the flesh. So John was writing into this saying, no, no, no. People who say that stuff, they're not from God because Jesus came in the flesh. So in other words, we test what somebody is saying against what we know to be true about Jesus. What does the Bible tell us about Jesus? What does the church tell us about Jesus? And that becomes the thing that we come back to. If they're deviating on who Jesus is, if they start saying, well, Jesus was just a good teacher. Well, I'm not going to listen to what you have to say because actually... Um, you're not pointing to the fullness of Jesus. If somebody's not pointing to the fullness of the of the incarnation, uh, Jesus's teaching, his his miracles and signs and wonders, his death and his resurrection, uh, his appearances to others post resurrection. If the people are, you know, they're going to deviate from this, then I'd say like the discernment is they're not a voice that's worth listening to because you you don't know where that line of thinking is going to take them. So true prophets will confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. False prophets will distort who Jesus is. So examine the fruits. Test it against scripture. See if they point to Jesus. Four, examine their motives. Is the person speaking, uh, or does the person speaking have a alternative motive to what they're saying? So 2 Peter 2, 1 to 3. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce uh, destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who has brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their deprived conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you and fabricate stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. A friend of mine uh, was uh, from Brazil. He's a Brazilian. And um, when he was growing up, he had this horrible situation where the, the pastor of the church, it turned out he was paying people to come to the church in wheelchairs where he would then pray for them. And they would have these miraculous healings. And these people would tell testimony of what God had done. So that they were basically creating and fabricating false stories of healings and miracles and testimonies. Uh, and what they did was, he would then say, you know, tithe to the ministry uh, because we want to see more of this stuff happening. So people would tithe. People would then say, well, I want a miracle. And they'd say, well, make sure you're tithing to the ministry because God blesses those who are being generous to the ministry. Uh, so he would he would kind of twist things and out of his own greed, he'd come up with these testimonies. It's a horrendous story uh, that uh, that uh, my assistant minister, you know, you know, often does share. Hey, that's not the only time 
that I've heard of that. You know, we've had in the last 20 years people who've claimed, pastors who've claimed to be, uh, have cancer and uh, and that, you know, claimed that they then are healed and it's turned out they never had cancer. You just think, oh my gosh, what is going on? And this is where discernment comes in. What's the motive? And I would say the motive uh, behind a lot of the false teachings, you know, it's something around sex. It's something around money and it's something around power. Where do you recognise that from? Well, they're the three motives of murder. You know, if uh, I watch a lot of cold case, I, I'll be honest with you. I love watching cold case stuff. And, and, and what they look for in cold cases, did somebody uh, have a motive that was around sex, money or power? And it's very often they're the ones that commit murder. It's very rare that somebody will just do something despicable uh, out of the blue often there's something behind it and I would say motives uh, for people preaching and false teaching can come out those three things you know are they you know they're hiding some sin uh, sexual sin uh, are they after power and glory and to be known for this amazing ministry or is it about money and actually be able to cream money off from the ministry and I you know I'm very careful now with with who I listen to because I'm going hang on do I know everything I know about this person do I want to trust what they have to say or is there a danger here that this this person might be out to hoodwink the church or hoodwink believers you know are they after money you know it's one of the reasons I love being a part of the Anglican church I get a stipend it's enough to live on it's never going to get me a jacuzzi you know I'm never going to get um I'll be able to own a house of my own um but uh you know I get paid enough and I don't benefit if my church triples in size. I don't get a financial benefit. I don't suddenly get a jag because of the size of my congregation. One of the things I love about our church is in the Anglican church is that I can, you know, very open, every penny that gets tied to the church is is actually going to the mission and ministry of the church because I get my stipend from the Church of England. Uh, so you know, when I preach, I don't have a motive to try and get more money out of people. The only motive I have is to resource the mission and ministry of God. So examine their motives are they seeking fame power wealth uh, do they display servant leadership humility uh, self-sacrifice because friends false prophets and false teachers are often motivated by greed and self-gain you know what do you see there in their motives of what they are teaching now very careful not everybody that's going around driving a jag is a false teacher like you know to there's a danger with what I just said. It can make it sound like Christmas and every pastor that's driving around in a BMW, you know, they're earning too much and they're probably like creaming some money off. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply saying we just have to be very, you know, careful, you know, what is their motive in this? Examine the fruits. Test the words of scripture. See if they point to Jesus. Examine the motives. And then check if their prophecies come true. Deuteronomy 18, 21, 22 you may say to yourselves, how can we know when the message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet claims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is the message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumably. Um, so do not be alarmed. So check the prophecies come true. We have to test the truth of the one who is speaking. Is it 100% accurate you know if it's prophecy that we are talking about here you know are there faults on the future is it gonna you know does it come true 
if somebody makes a prophecy, it doesn't come to pass. Well, they're obviously not listening to God. Um, you know, I tread really carefully with this one because actually some prophecies do come true in a different lifetime. Uh, you, you know, there are those that prophesied for the long future and things have happened. But it is discernment, isn't it? That's the key thing, to check if the prophecies are true. You know, do they, you know, it's testing them. And in their testing... Is, are they proven to be something that is bearing fruit? So you check out what they're saying. Is it 100% true? And then finally, trusting your discerning instincts. Matthew 10, 16. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. T uh, trust your discerning instincts. Be shrewd. And as innocent as a dove. If somebody, um, if something feels off, if you're paying attention and something doesn't sound right, check it out. Ask God for the gift of discernment. You know, right from when I was young, my prayer was that God would give me godly wisdom and discernment. I would argue that God didn't give me those things. He gave me a wife who was. Um, but, you know, that was my prayer. God give me discernment and wisdom. And ask God, in giving you the discernment to check uh, what is being said um and you know how does this feel like the spirit speak to you sometimes i hear something i think i didn't just something is under me just, that doesn't feel right right now and i don't know why but it's like the spirit inside of me is saying no no that's no don't listen that's not true uh, you know so listen to that voice now you have to be very careful with this one because i do know people who are very confident in their gift of discernment but actually i don't think they're as gifted in the discernment as they like to think they are i am very aware of people who get prophetic pictures and then they discern them for themselves and when you they give you the interpretation you're thinking i don't know if that really is what god is saying there or if that is you desiring that picture to mean that thing so you've got to be really careful friends uh when you are uh, trusting your own instincts you may get it wrong and, and this is really careful and I think it takes many many years to hone that gift of discernment younger Christians very often are not quite as in tuned as they might like to think they are and then you, they give their interpretation think oh I don't know I'm not sure I don't think that sounds right to me and uh, and they're very confident what they're saying so it's really hard you think well you're gonna have, you're gonna have to test it you know let's look for the fruit in this uh so i say definitely uh trust your instincts whilst at the same time i would say be careful because trusting your instincts doesn't always work out uh, so it depends on how good you are at discernment so how do we discern false prophets and teachers we have to examine the fruits we test their words against the bible we see if they're pointing to Jesus, nothing else. They examine uh, examine their motives, what, what's fueling them, what are they getting out of preaching this. Fifthly, check if their prophecies come true. And then the final thing was trust your uh, discerning instincts. Friends, the key here is to evaluate 
against the standard of God's word. You know, the key thing for us is evaluating what is being said against the standard, the plumb line of God's book. I'd say definitely with prayerful wisdom and insight of the Holy Spirit. And we've got to test everything super carefully. Jesus says, watch out, there are false prophets out there. Uh, they come to you dressed as sheep, but they're actually wolves. Uh, their fruit means you should be able to recognize if this is good fruit or not. Um, you don't peak bad fruit uh, from from a good tree. So, you know, you, you can test the fruit. Uh, likewise, every good tree bears fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit, Jesus said. Good trees cannot bear bad fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. If you find that somebody's not teaching good fruit, that actually they they what they are sowing is is discord in the church, disunity in the church, they're stirring up trouble in the church. I would say, cut that down. You don't want that in your life, and that's where discernment comes in. Because when you discern something, if it is false, then get rid of it. You do not want that around you. So, friends, there you go. How to discern false teachers and prophets. I would love you to maybe practice some of this uh, discernment uh, as you go through the next month, listening to the voices around you and ask yourself, does this match scripture? Is this pointing me to Jesus? Uh, is what they're saying filled with the right motives? Um, and, I, you know, let's examine the fruit. So, friends, until next time, grace and peace. And next week we will be landing the Sermon on the Mount with a story about two builders grace and peace until next time see you soon